Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, December the 16th, 2022. It is currently 9.48 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, have you ever talked to someone who was raised in a Christian home? Someone who grew up going to church Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. A a really committed Christian family. Have you ever talked to someone who was raised that way? Now, sometimes you'll talk to sometimes you'll talk to someone who was raised that way and they will profess to be a Christian and they seem to have pretty positive memories. But you can come across many large numbers, I dare say, large numbers of individuals who were raised in strong, conservative Christian homes. They were part of the youth group. They went to church. They, their whole life centered around the church. They, they grew up in a home where they had to read the Bible. Maybe they were homeschooled. And it's just Christianity was everywhere. Sometimes when you listen to them, their perception of how they were raised, whether accurate or inaccurate, we could have that debate because you always know, look, look we all know this. If you take kids um, after they have grown up, right, and and it can be your own kids, but if you talk to any kids and they tell stories about how they were raised and different things that happened to them, and then you talk to the parents, the perception of what happened is always so drastically different that sometimes it's disturbing. It's like two different realities. The kid is like, no, you don't understand how what you did to me. You don't understand how that impacted me. You destroyed my life. You you ruined my life. That was horrible. You made me feel like garbage. You felt like I felt like you didn't love me. I felt like you hate me. And the parents like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? We 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 were going we were going to the movies and you got upset so we turned around and went home and now you're acting like it was the most traumatizing thing in your what are you trying and they were like no you don't understand and sometimes you're like I don't think you were raised in my home I don't think you were what are you talking about because the perception is so different and a kid's mind the way they perceive it and that their perception will stick with them for the rest of their life. And I hate this statement, but there, there, and please hear what I'm about to say, because I hate this statement, but listen to it. Perception is reality. Now, in reality, it's not. Your, it's just your perception of reality. Reality is what reality is. Your perception doesn't change that. But in a child's mind, whatever they encountered, whatever happened to them growing up, that perception becomes their reality. So when they tell the story of how they were raised or what happened, you'll be like, what are you talking about? That never happened in church. No one ever said that in church, whatever the case may be. And it, it, it can be maddening, but sometimes as parents, we forget that. And so sometimes we, we become defensive, right? We get, we become very self-defensive, like, no, 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 no. That is not, that's not the way it is. But, but you can say that's not the way it is. They are convinced that's the way it is. Now, sometimes as they get older, they'll realize, well, maybe I don't remember that exactly right. Typically what it takes is for them to have kids, their kids grow up and be like, you were trash. And then, the, then they go back to their parents going, you know what? 
I probably, I said a lot of things about you that probably wasn't accurate because, because then you see it, 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 but it's just a reality. It's a hard reality. So when you take that fact and you mix it with Christianity, many kids who are raised in the church, raised within Christian homes, their perspective of what happened, their view of what they were taught, their perspective of the sermons they heard, of the Sunday school lessons, their perception of what they were taught about the Bible or what they were taught about God can sometimes be frightening and horrible. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. You thought what about God? Wait, no, 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 no. No, nobody was saying that. Nobody was claiming that. But but you never know what they're hearing. They're hearing and perceiving something that sometimes no one intended in any way, shape, or form. Now, this is a frightening reality. This is just the frightening reality of being a parent, right? You're parenting. You think that this is the way they should see their life and the way, see, and their, their mind it's going to be something totally different. If you've ever set, if you've ever tried to uh, do any family counseling or been a part of family counseling, it can be crazy. The kids telling their side of the story, the parents telling their side of the story, and you're just like, wait, 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 y'all live together? Because I, I don't understand whose story, because the perceptions are so different. Doesn't mean the kid's perception is always wrong. Just means it's going to always be different because it's being formed in the mind of a child. And so you have to be aware of that. I really want you to get that principle down. It's a very important principle. And trust me, it's going to impact your life at some point. When you hear your grown child talk about their life, you're going to be, you, you, your, first, your first reaction is to get defensive and say, that's not true. You're lying. And what you have to do is go, wait a minute. I wonder why they perceive that way. What happened to make them think that way? And, and, and sometimes it can be very traumatizing to them. And this is very much related to, well, Christianity. You talk, you listen to a lot of people like I grew up in the, in the Christian home and all they were were judgmental and condemning and hypocrites and threatened everyone with hell. And I never thought I was good enough. And I thought I was going to go to hell. And I, was, I lived with fear and I lived with intimidation and I couldn't be who I was. And, and it was rules and it was punishment. And I hate God and I hate the church and I hate the Bible. And, and sometimes you have to go, man, what happened? It's because of how they perceived it. Now, why am I, why have I spent six minutes and 40 seconds trying to articulate this very important reality? Because at 8.28 p.m. Central Time this evening, I received an email entitled, Teaching Our Kids. And they sent this because I asked for questions for my evening broadcast. So here's the one that I've been struggling with. Well, I, I love this. I am, I'm so appreciative when people take the time to email me. However, I want to make this very clear. There's a couple of things. Just remember, just remember, I'm just a sinner with a microphone. That's all I am. I've never claimed to be anything more or anything. I'm just a sinner with a microphone. Only thing I do is talk a lot. And hopefully what I do is I talk on the microphone demonstrating to you that I am just a sinner with a microphone struggling to figure out the Christian life just like the rest of us. I fail. I mess up. I struggle. I let people down. But I, all, I, all I can do is get back up and get in front of this microphone and just talk about the struggle and try to figure it out and try to share 
everything I've learned and all the Bible colleges, seminaries that I've attended and everything that I can, that's all I can do. People don't always agree. I'm always struggling trying to figure out the truth, but that's all I am. So let's just get that out of the way. And here's something that I've made a rule in my ministry. (laughs) I have never, I have never (laughs) in any serious, meaningful way done any teaching in how to raise kids. What I have done is if I come across a biblical text dealing with children, I will teach that and expound that, hopefully to the best of my ability. But I've not done the typical series, 10 ways to raise your kids, 10 ways to keep your kids on your team, 10 ways to raise your kids for Christ. I've tried to be very careful because all I've ever seen, look, I have been around Christianity long enough to watch this. I have seen kids or I've seen parents with every parental strategy you can imagine, right? I have seen the parents with spoil the rod sp- or, or spare the rod, spoil the child. Yeah, spoil the rod. Spare the rod, spoil the child mentality. And it's like spanking, 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 spanking. You don't let them talk back. You don't let them do this. And it's very disciplinary, very structured. You're not going to watch TV. You're not going to listen to secular music. You're not going to run around with the kids of this world. The world will not get you. You're not going to work. You're not going to do this. You're not, gonna, you're not going to public school. You're going to be homeschooled and you're only going to go to church and, you, and, and you're gonna, we're going to know the friends you're, you're hanging out with. And it's like rule, 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 discipline, rule, rule, you know, spoil the rod, <laughs> spare the rod, spoil the child. I thought I was going to correct it that time and I do it the wrong way. All right. Spare the rod, spoil the child. And it's just, it's just like strict rules uh, conservative. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do this. You're not going to go here. You're not going to, you're not going to dance. You're not going to, you're not going to wear makeup until you're 75. You're not going to date until you're 123. Okay. You're not doing this. You're, your, your curfew is seven o'clock in the evening. Okay. And that's when you go out at 6 PM, you got to be home in an hour. Okay. You're going to have 14 chaperones and you're going to have security cameras around you at all time. And we're going to have you computer chipped. I mean, we believe it's the mark of the beast, but we're going to computer chip you. So we know where you are 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are not going to let anything happen to you. You're going to be godly. You're going to, and many of those kids are, are grow up and it is utter total rebellion and ungodliness and hatred and bitterness. And they hate God and they hate the church and they hate their parents. And it's like, what in the world happened? Now, when I, I, I obviously went overboard describing that kind of family, but what I'm saying is a very, very conservative family. It may be loving, It may be compassionate, but it's just rules, rules. You're going to do this. 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 We are not. And they almost will say, we're not going to let the world get you. Well, the world already got them because they have a depraved nature. But that's a whole different point. I've seen that that parental style. I've seen the parental style. You know what? We're not going to give the rules. We're not going to have all these conservative rules. We're going to let them do this. We're going to let them do this. We're going to let them do this. And guess what? The, the kids grow up, still hate their parents, still hate God, still hate the church, and still blame the church for everything, even though it really had no impact on how they live their life. I've seen families where... Uh, kids raised in a family where they, the family literally hates God. The family wants nothing to do with God. And the kids grow up to, to become Christians and become pastors and godly. Like I've seen, I've seen everything in between. I've seen strict families where the kids grow up to love God. I've seen strict families where kids grow up to hate God. I've seen very liberal families where the kid grows up to hate God. And I've seen very liberal families where the kids grow up to love God and love the Bible. I've seen families where they literally loathe, hate God, despise God and hate the church. And the kids grow up and come out of that loving God. It, I Every parental style that I have seen, I've seen every kind of result. Because in the bottom line here is this, 
the end result and salvation is not based off parental styles. You can't parent someone into the kingdom of God. You can't parent conversion. You can't ground them into conversion. You can't, conversion is a sovereign work of God. God does the saving of the child, right? So salvation is a work of God, not the work of you. You can't debate your child into it, gripe them into it, ground them into it, restrict them into it. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can manipulate them into profession of faith. Yeah, you can get them to say a prayer, you can get them to get baptized. You can you can manipulate all of those kinds of but salvation is a work of the sovereign God. It is a sovereign work of God. And so and I know that has a, a theological implication there, but so all of the styles, I've seen every kind of style under under the sun. And they've all produced wild different results. So I'm not here to give you some specific style here when I try to answer this question. What I'm going to try to do is just do my best to hear these questions and do my best to offer some thoughts, right? So I don't, I don't, it's one of the reasons I've never given a lot of sermons on how to raise children because, because you can give your, your supposed theory on child rearing, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. I've seen pastors preach those sermons and their kids grow up to be utter complete rebels. It didn't, it didn't change anything. So there's no, well, I guess what I'm trying to say, there is no right system to make it work. There isn't, there isn't. I think there's some biblical guidelines and what we can and we can and can't do. But other than that, I think there's a lot of liberty and freedom in it. And I think we have to stop worrying about the system, what system we're going to use. Those are human be- Those kids are human beings. They're not social experiments. They're not, they're not just some like, hey, I'm going to use this system to raise you. They're human beings with their own personalities and their own needs and their own emotional makeup. And you've got to understand them as individuals, love them as individuals, and treat them as individuals. And don't just treat them as some project which you're trying to incorporate certain principles so that you get the results you want. They're human beings. I, I, I cannot stress that enough. They are human beings and they have to be treated that way. All right. So there's just some thoughts here to get us started. So typically... Typically, I tick off Christian parents. I typically, I typically tick off Christian parents because a lot of times what I see them doing, I'm just like, what in the world? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And, and listen, 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 listen. Okay, I'm, I'm, I know when I say this, there's going to be a, an audible gasp. And I know people are going to like email me and condemn me to the 18th level of hell. Please understand my theological perspective here. I don't believe in manipulating children into saying a prayer. I don't believe to manipulate children into walking an aisle, raising a hand. And I don't believe manipulating children into a baptism and and a salvation profession. They have no clue what they're doing, no understanding. They've just been manipulated into it by the latest child evangelism tricks. I, I, I reject that. I loathe that. Don't believe that. I believe salvation is a work of God. I want the children to be exposed to the gospel. I want them to be exposed to the fact that that God is holy, they are a sinner, and God has God's solution to their sin is sending his son to die for them and by faith his righteousness is given to them and they are saved by grace alone through faith alone because of Christ alone for his glory alone. 
right? I want them to know that message, hear that message, and then I'm going to trust in the sovereign work of God to do the work of salvation if he so chooses to do so. Now, because of that theological background, that gives me a kind of a different perspective on parenting. Number one, because I believe in total depravity, I don't believe the problem is the world. I don't believe the problem is Netflix. I don't believe the problem is video games. I don't believe the problem is Dojo Cat or, or Dua Lipa or Drake or, or Beyonce or Taylor Swift or um, I don't, I'm, I'm running out of name. I could, I, could go through, I could go through all the names of music, right? But uh, Selena Gomez, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, just going through different names. Demi Lovato, I'm just thinking of different songs that have charted uh, this year. But um, I, I, I don't believe that music is the problem. TikTok is the problem. All the things that Christians yell and scream, we're losing a generation. We've got to fight against these things. I don't believe any of those things are the problem. The problem is inside your child. It's called depravity. That is where the problem is. It is inside your child. And all of your supposed things you want to fight, what we want to do is fight all of this other stuff. The problem is your chi- is inside your child. It's called depravity, and, and the only one who can work on that is the sovereign God, and, he, and, and, and what that depravity needs is salvation. So again, so my, my perspective is very different. So as a result of my perspective, I'm going to say this. Children are not just there so that you can impose your new parental system on. They're human beings. And I think we have to be more concerned with our relationship with them than our theological goals for them. And I know that that sounds contrary to Christianity. We want, I want my child to be saved, but salvation is a work of the Lord. It's not my work. I can't make that happen. In fact, I can manipulate it into a, a man-made salvation, which will not last and is, will, is useless and frivolous and vanity, and in most cases just creates more problems. So what I'm going to do is I can't look at my child as a project so that, I, that I, what I want to see is the right theological outcome. I want to see that child as a human being, that my relationship with them is more important than the theological outcome. Now, I know that sounds shocking, but the theological outcome is outside of my control. That is the sovereign work of God determined in the found, in, before the foundations of the world. Now, I know for those who are semi-Pelagian, Pelagian and Arminian, you're going to be like yelling and screaming, but go ahead and manipulate your children. Get them to walk an aisle. Get them to say a prayer, right? No, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not for those games. We need a relationship with our child that no matter what happens theologically, no matter what the theological outcome is of their life, no matter what it is, no matter whether they love God, hate God, you have a great relationship with them. You, you, they, they love you, you love them, and they can talk to you about anything, even though they end up theologically where you don't want them to end up, even though maybe there's no, no salvation occurs. I mean, you can argue and fight with them and try to prove to them that your, your view of life is the I mean, look, what do you want? Do you want your ch- a relationship with your child or you just want them to adopt your worldview? I don't want them to adopt my worldview. I want a relationship with them. I want salvation to occur. And yes, I'm going to teach them about the gospel, but I'm, my focus is on the relationship with them, right? So I just, these are key principles here. These are key principles. Now, 
I've spent now 19 minutes <laughs> talking about this because I just kind of want you to know where I'm coming from. Because this typically puts me at great odds with many Christians who, who gasp and yell and scream and tell me I'm doing it wrong. Typically, it's young Christians who, who just, you know, their children are still young and they've got it all figured out. And they're going to prove that everyone is wrong because they know how to raise children. And then when their children are 25, they usually, they, they're much more humble, but that's okay. That's okay. All right. So here is the email. Now I'm going to take a lot of those principles and apply some of those principles to this email. So maybe this, this will be, maybe all of that will be helpful. Here we go. Now I will leave certain things out and only try to read the, the parts that I think are applicable. All right, here we go. This is what someone has been struggling with. I've been reading a kid's Bible with my five-year-old son every night. It's kind of a study Bible from Zondervan. I believe, I believe. So it's a kind of a study Bible from Zondervan, they believe. As it goes through the Old Testament, it constantly basically states over and over and over and over again how God took care of the people who followed his will and his law and how people were punished for not following his law. I want to read the Bible to him, but I can't seem to find how to explain the balance between being saved by faith and trying to do our best to live the way the Bible teaches. I tell him bad things can happen no matter how good we are. He already has anger and self-esteem issues, and I want to encourage him, but sometimes he said God hates him if he does something wrong. Now, let's stop right here. Wow. This is powerful, and this bothers me greatly. And it bothers me not for this, this particular person and their child. It bothers me because those words just ring in my ear because I've heard too many people raised in the church who walk away with this idea that Christianity is nothing more than trying to do the right thing. And if you don't do the right thing, my parents will hate me. God will hate me. The church will hate me. Christianity becomes nothing more than a list of rules, which you must abide by. And if you don't abide by those rules, then everyone hates you. And, and it's not, Christian parents don't set out to, to teach their kids that way. We don't, we don't want to teach our kids that. It's not like that we set out to say, hey, hey guys, you do the right thing or God hates you. You do the right thing or you will be judged. We, we, we try to teach our kids the gospel, but somewhere we, the gospel seems to get lost. And what gets taught is, here are the rules, do the rules, mommy and daddy will love you, do the rules, God will love you. You don't do the rules, mommy and daddy won't love you, the church doesn't love you, God doesn't love you, and you're probably going to burn in hell for the rest of your life, or for eternity, obviously. Now, I know we don't state it that way, but it, it again, in a child's mind, it, they just know rules, rules, rules. Don't do this. 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 We don't watch this. We don't do this. We don't celebrate this. We don't do this. We don't do this. We don't give gifts on Christmas. We don't do Santa Claus. We don't do the Easter Bunny. We don't do this. We don't do Halloween. We don't do trick-or-treating. We don't dress this way. We don't go to those parties. We don't listen to that music. We don't watch those movies. 
And in, and in the minds of a child, all Christianity is is 975,000 rules that they never, they never actually achieve. They fall short, and now they live in ga- guilt and shame and embarrassment. And so many of them say, this is a bunch of garbage. I can't live this way. Now, and I know that nobody intends for them to live that way, but it's just the uninat, it's the, the natural consequences of it. And it's very, impo- it's almost impossible sometimes to help them see opposite. So for the fact that the child has already caught on to, if I don't do this, God hates me. That's, oh, it's so hard. And, and, and I don't have the easy answers here. I don't have the easy answers here. Here's what I would say. It's great that you want to raise, read the Bible to your child. It is wonderful. It's a beautiful concept, beautiful idea. But let's all be very, very, very brutally honest with ourselves. There's things in the Bible absolutely horrifying and frightening for a child to even try to comprehend or perceive. We have an eternal, all-powerful being who can wipe people off the face of the earth like that, like that. Now, I know we always try to twist the stories to make them more positive for children, right? I, I mean, Noah's Ark, we try to turn that into something. Look, there's Mr. and uh, there's Mr. and Mrs. Noah. Look at them looking out the window with a smile. See the giraffe behind them with the little rainbow over the boat? Isn't it wonderful? God is so wonderful. Isn't it great? Like, we try to make that story as positive as possible, right? We try to make it so positive. We try to make it as positive as we can. There's Mr. and Mrs. Noah. There's the giraffe. See the giraffe smiling? Oh, oh there's a monkey over there. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Oh, see the cute rainbow. Oh, isn't it so beautiful? God, God made a promise. He'll never flood the world again. Aren't you great? Aren't you happy boys and girls? God is so wonderful. And we don't tell the story of all the bodies floating around the boat, right? We don't tell the story of all the people who drowned, the children who drowned, the pregnant women who drowned, all the people who drowned. But that story is horrifying. That story is horrifying. Oh, oh, this small number of people survive, but look out out there in the water. Drowning, 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 dead, 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 bloated bodies everywhere. You know, the story is horrifying. I understand we tell it in the most, the nicest way we possibly can. We try to say it in the nicest way possible. The nicest way possible. We tried to tell the story of Abraham offering up Isaac. Oh, it's a nice story. God, God spared him. Yeah, but his dad was about to stab him with a knife. What kind of twisted psycho stuff is this? Hey, hey, God delivered uh, Israel. God delivered Israel from Egypt. Isn't it a beautiful story? Yeah, but he drowned the, all of the Egyptians. <laughs> okay. and, he, and he killed the firstborn. Okay. And they, he poured out plague upon them. Oh, and then even when the Israelites get in there, oh yeah, you see that entire generation? Oh, they all die. They all die. Oh, he opens up the earth, swallows some, sends snakes in to kill, to kill some people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's horrifying stuff from a, ch- a child's perspective. I know we try to turn it nice and neat, little cute stories, but it's horrible stuff. I mean, I, let's just, just, there's just no way to get around it. The stories are, are, are just, 
if they were, if these stories were written just slightly different and put in a book, there would be Christian parents walking around the library, get rid of the violence, get rid of this evil, ban these books from the library because they're horrible. No, it's, it's called the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible's got some really messed up dark stuff. Now, am I saying keep, them, uh, keep it away from children? I'm not saying we keep it away from children. I'm saying that there's a time and place for it. So I don't know if, if, if a five-year-old who's already perceiving that God hates them if they mess up, I don't know if I would continue, I, I, I don't know if I would continue maybe reading through some of those Old Testament stories. I know, of course, you can try to read them in the most positive, you can spin it in the most positive way. You can try to spin it the most positive way, but then I'm not a big fan of that either, right? I'm not a big fan of that because that's not giving them an accurate pr- presentation of it. What I would focus on is making sure that five-year-old knows you love them, always will love them, no matter what they do, no matter if they fail, no matter if they do right, no matter if they do wrong, you love them and make them feel as secure as they can with you, that you're always going to love them. Focus on making sure they know that, that there's security in the home. And then I would focus on the basic elements of the gospel is what I would focus, focus on as much as possible about Jesus, maybe the gospels. I think those are, those are relatively safe. Now you're going to find rules in there, but I would just make sure the child know that God is holy and he has these rules and he wants us to do these things. But here's the reality. We're, we're, We're sinners and we fall short, but because we fell short, because we broke the rules, God loved us so much, he sent his son to die for us, to forgive us, and all of the right things Jesus did. Jesus does all the right things. He does all. And when you read the stories of the gospel, show him how Jesus does all the right things. He does all the right things. And all of that, that good, all of that right stuff that he did is given to you when we believe in Jesus. It's given to you so that when you stand before God, God can't hate you. Because well, everything Jesus did is yours by faith. I would, I would focus on the gospel more than just trying to read some of that stuff. And, 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 and I'm not seeing this. Please hear this out. This is not some like rule for every parenting situation. Every child is different. Every child's emotional needs are different. Every child's maturity is different. Every child's intellectual development is different. So I am by no means speaking for every situation. I'm just saying that some of that is is just some of those stories in the Bible are just absolutely twisted, twisted in dark, dark ways that nobody ever wants to talk about. Again, how can we tell the story of Noah and the flood like it's some positive thing. The whole world drowned. Oh, look at the cute animals on the boat. Yeah, that's wonderful. What about all the dead bodies in the water? I, I don't know. I don't know how we do that. But the church finds a way to make it cute. I guess if you make it cute, it's okay. But I'm not a fan of making it cute. So I would focus on the Gospels, on the stories about Jesus did, and just whenever possible, in the most correct way in relation to the text, we're sinners. God, God loves us and sent his son to die for us. And not only did he die to take away my sin, 
Not only did he die to take away my sin, his right, what he did was right. What he did was good, was given to us. And help them try to understand Jesus' sacrifice for them, the forgiveness of sins, mercy, grace, and the imputed righteousness. Help them try to understand. You might have to use illustrations, use examples. And sometimes it's not done. It, typically, a lot of the theological stuff is not done in, in quote-unquote family devotional time or Bible reading time. It, sometimes it happens in just normal, everyday conversation where you're walking I'm quoting from Deuteronomy, when you're walking, by the way, when you rise up, when you lay down. And the most, it, I, sometimes I think it happens best in normal conversation. Sometimes better. But I'm not saying don't do these other things. I'm just saying sometimes you just look for those opportunities. Look for an example where they can see it. I think that's important. Another thing I would challenge as I would, I like using and liked using and always recommend the Puritan Catechism and the Heidelberg Catechism. Now, the Heidelberg, I don't agree with everything in it. It's sacramental. I don't, I don't believe in sacraments. I believe in ordinances. Um, obviously, I don't believe in infant baptism. Obviously, I reject that. I believe in believer's baptism. Uh, so I wouldn't use every aspect of the Heidelberg. But there's a lot in the Heidelberg that's beautiful stuff, especially the beginning of it. So I would use the Heidelberg and just, and that's question answer. You ask the question and then you go over the answer and then you just repeat, repeat, repeat every night and just go through some of the basic things because the catechisms, especially the Puritan catechism, which is much easier to do so, you're going to cover things like salvation and, and forgiveness and you can just help them just begin to instruct them in the basic elements of Christianity. Oh, at some point, yeah, they, they definitely need to begin reading the Bible and understanding those stories. And I think when the church teaches those stories, we need to teach the stories in the full way and not always so twist them into some weird telling of these children's stories, like some veggie tell, telling of these stories where the biblical story almost gets lost and it turns into like just some moral lesson instead of seeing the reality of what happened. But there's, there's an age-appropriate time. Just for example, go to the end of Judges. What happens to that woman? I mean, the men of the city rape her and then her body's chopped up and sent to different parts of the country. You don't, you don't preach that and read that to children, right? There, there's, 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 there's time and places for some stories in the Bible. There's others I would just say, I don't know how beneficial that is because they're, they're not going to be able to process it. So what you want them to get down first and foremost is the basic elements of the gospel, I think. And the basic elements of Christian doctrine and theology. The let, let oh here, absolutely what I, I I know. Not only do I would recommend the Puritan before even the Puritan Catechism, or here's what I would do before the Puritan, before the Heidelberg, I would start with the Apostles' Creed. Man, I I would turn that into a catechism, right? And all you got to do for a catechism, remember, catechism is instruction via question and answer. You ask the question and say, okay, now what's the answer? You give them the answer and then you repeat it. What's the question? What's the answer? Come up with your questions and answers using the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is straight gold for children. Every child on the face of the planet should have it memorized because it so articulates basic Christian doctrine. Um the Apostles' Creed, I'm, I'm looking it up really quick. I mean, I, I, I have it memorized, but 
I just, I'm just going to see how easy it is to find. Yeah. You just type in the Apostles' Creed, you should be able to find it anywhere. But I believe in God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. Who are we to believe in? Who are we called to believe in? God the Father, or, or God. Who are, who are you to believe in? God. And what do we know about God? Well, he's our Father. How is he our Father? Well, he's our Father in a general way because he created us. And he's our father in a special way when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, then he becomes our spiritual father. So he's a father in a general way, right? Just because by creation, in a sense, he's our father by creation. Now, that doesn't make him our spiritual father. Our spiritual father is Satan, but you don't have to necessarily drop that on a five-year-old, okay? But so you can just write these questions any way you want. Who should? Who are we called to believe in? God, all right? And what do we know about God? He's our father. How he? How is he our father? By creation and by salvation, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we become the adopted sons of God. Do you know what it means to be adopted? Right? You, you could do something like that. What else do we know about God? He's almighty. What else do we know? He's the creator of heaven and earth. God is all-powerful, and he's creator of heaven and earth. You can rework those questions, but create questions and you can write, you can come up with a number of questions just for that first part. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, heaven, creator of heaven and earth. But just have them memorize it. Just that first part for, for a week. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Some, some people can turn it into a song. I, I don't care what you do. Just let them know that for the rest of their life, that there is a God. He is, he, he, he is the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ. The only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Now, the, the, the Apostles' Creed says he descended into hell. You can leave that out uh, because that raises all kinds of controversy. You can say he descended to the grave. You can put it that way. Some, tra- some would say that that's what's being referenced there. Much debate over it, but that's okay. Uh, he, he was died and was buried. He descended. He, 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 was, he was buried and placed in the grave. You could state it that way. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father from which he will come to judge the living and the dead. You don't have to go into major issues about, the, about him coming to judge, but you, you can get the basic facts. I believe in the Holy Spirit. You can just say the Holy Christian Church. You don't have to use the word Catholic there. The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Have them just learn those basic elements and then go to the Puritan Catechism and then the Heidelberg Catechism. Use the catechism. That's how children were instructed in the early church anyway. Catechize them. Read the Gospels. I think read the Gospels. Read from parts of Galatians. I would just make it a very New Testament heavy. And then there, there are certain, certain uh, passages of the Old Testament. By all means, be selective in what you read. Just be selective in what you read. Based off your child's development, their emotional needs, and just be careful. Don't you don't water anything down. You don't change it. Just, just be selective in what they need. Structure, structure their, their, their involvement with Scripture based according to their, their, their need. All right. That's so. I would, I would recommend. That's what I would recommend. The Apostles' Creed, and I would recommend the the Puritan Catechism and the Heidelberg Catechism, and just do a lot of question and answers with them. Make it fun. Don't make it all dramatic, make it fun, just relaxed. And then when you read scripture, just read, read things about Jesus. Just read things from the gospel. Choose, pick and choose. And if there's certain passages in the Old Testament, you think this, 
this could be very good. There, there, look, there's major questions that anyone could have, and you don't always have to answer all of those philosophical questions for a child because they haven't asked them yet. Now, when they ask the question, then you've got to. If they don't ask the question, you don't always have to go into every detail about what God will or will not do. Um, someone, says, someone said we use the New City Catechism, an app. They have songs for the kids, uh, and there are answers. You can switch uh, an app between kid and adult. It's adapted from Calvin's Geneva Catechism, the Westminster, and the Heidelberg. It's called the New City Catechism. You may want to look into that. I always start with the Apostles' Creed, then go to the catechisms, then go to the catechisms, then go to the catechisms. That's, I think that's, Apostles' Creed is just like, yeah, I'm, I'm dogmatic. Every kid needs to know the Apostles' Creed. Every kid, every adult needs to know it because it lays down the fundamental elements and which then the catechisms build on. And then systematic theologies build on. I mean, it's so, uh, so, so key. And then just choose the Bible reading based off where they are. That's what I would say, all right? They go on to say this. Um, and I, I just hate that the child feels like, you know, God hates him if he does the wrong thing. I just hate that. Um, he knows God loves, love, he knows God loved him enough to make him and Jesus die, died to save us. I've done my best to explain that we're all sinners, even me, but I'm worried that sometimes reading the Bible to him might do me do more harm than good. Well, there's probably some sections of the Bible that could do more harm than good because he's not, he doesn't have the capacity to understand. So you've just got to be very selective in, in what you, you want to read. But the catechisms, the catechisms, the uh, creed, the Apostles' Creed, can help them start building a theological foundation, which later on they can use to build and be able to understand and, and have a better grasp on some of this. And it says, any advice for starting our kids out in Christ and explaining how things were in the Old Testament days compared to now, uh, would be helpful. I wouldn't even really go back into the Old Testament days at this point. They're too young. And like there's certain elements of the Old Testament, certain stories you may use, right? You may use for certain things. But I, again, I would just be careful not to Disneyfy the Old Testament. Like there's some stories there that I would say it's not right for ready for kids, but I wouldn't go to those kid those stories and then Disneyfy them. And I, I'm just using that term. In other words, so turn them into, like, again, what people do with the story of Noah and the ark. I don't know how, why parents think that's a great, that story is so dis twisted and disturbing. Hey, we're going to teach our kids about Noah and the ark. What? Yeah. So where millions of people die. What a great story. Okay. Okay. Hey, if you're bad kids, God will kill you. Okay. That's, that's, that's a little, I, I don't know. It's so weird. Like kids will be like, I will not let my kids watch that movie. That is horrifying. What are you teaching your kids tonight? That wonderful story of Noah and the ark. And I'm like, uh, I think I would just let them watch the Netflix movie. I, I think they do do better with that. I know, I know par Christian parents right now are screaming at me, the, but the story is <laughs> There's dead people in the water, ladies. There's, it's, there, there are all these people drowned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the good news is these people lived. I guess if you just ignore all the fact that people died, I, I guess it's good news. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I just, as a kid, I always, whenever I did come in, ca in contact with the Bible when I was little, the very, the few times that I did, I always was like, what in the world? I, I'll never forget. 
I'll, I'll just throw this story just to show you, because I, again, this is all about how kids perceive things. Now, when I went to public school here in Texas, well, they, they put it this way, there was far more religion in the school than I even think there should be. That's a whole different story. But we got taken to a church, literally a church, Fair Park. Um, um, I can't remember that street right there. Is that South 7th? I think that's South 7th. It was right there right in the residential area, right off South 7th, Fair Park. That's where I went to elementary, kindergarten, elementary. And right across from South, you cross South 7th and go down, there was a church there on the corner. I remember what kind of church. And we got taken there, right? And the pastor, and I was like kindergarten, first grade. I was very little. And they were telling us about God. God is eternal. God is creator. (laughs) I never forget. I raised my hand and said, well, who created God? And they said, well, no one created God. God has always been. I'm like, well, wait a minute. If God has always been and everything else has a creator, how can he? And I I started having all these like deep philosophical questions about how God could be eternal. It made no sense to me. You're telling me everything else needs a creator, but you're telling me God doesn't have one. It makes no sense. Okay, it makes So I was baffled and confused by, it. and he asked, there were some other things I asked questions. Um, I, I can't remember, ask a couple of questions. I think, oh, when he talked about sin, I was like, well, why, why would God create a world where there's sin? I had like these big questions because it made no sense to me. Well, for some kids, it makes no sense to them. So, and you, you have to be prepared for that. But there's some stories that you think, oh, I'm going to tell this nice, nice, cute story. But the kid, they may be like, no, there's nothing cute about this. And then they grow up thinking, man, what kind of tw- twisted nonsense was that? So you, you never know how they're perceiving it. So you always want to be very alert to maybe their questions and how they're thinking. And you have to just realize there may be certain things. I don't know if I want to go there yet. Right? You, yeah. You definitely want them to learn the Bible, but focus on what is, uh, what is one is most needed and two, what is best age appropriate. And then just base your reading on that. I don't think it's important that I got to get my kid through Genesis to Revelation by the time, by the, by the time they're eight. I don't think that that's necessary. Um, and it says, any advice for starting our kids out in Christ and explaining how things were in the Old Testament days? I don't think you have to really explain that yet. How do we tell them God loves them, but won't, but won't necessarily save them from bad things? How do we keep them from walking around thinking God will strike them down for being naughty? Well, those, those are good questions. Um, I think you focus on salvation. And I don't know if you really need to try to explain to them right now Oh, there comes a time, but I think that, again, it's age appropriate. I don't know if the child needs to know the reality that God is not always going to be there to help them out yet. Um, hey, hey, God loves you, but tomorrow you could die of cancer. I, I don't think they need to necessarily understand. I think there's a time that they do need to understand it. They do, because at some point they're going to they're gonna be confronted with the, the pain and suffering in life, and they're going to be like, where's God? I'll never forget Um when my mother died, I was, I was young. My, my sister, she's like 10 years old. She's like nine, eight. She was young. She was little. And I mean, she was baffled, confused, did not, when's mommy coming home? I mean, it was, it was horrifying, horrible, horrible, horrible. And these different women from the church tried to 
their attempts to explain it to my sister was horrifying. Like, well, well, God, God needed her. Okay. Wait, uh, wait, what? So, you know, God needed your mom. So he took her from you. That's some twisted psychotic stuff right there. So I I know they were trying to be well-meaning, but it was evil. It was evil garbage that they were trying to say. There's a time and place. There's a time and place. Um, and, and sometimes the best answer is no answer. Sometimes the best answer is not to raise the question until the child raises the question. So I would just focus on Christ, the gospel, salvation in Christ, not pushing it, not manipulating it. And I would use the Apostles' Creed. I would use the uh, Puritan Catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism, and, the, and I would recommend what this person just did because I've, I've looked at it, the New City Catechism, because it's a combination of Calvin's Geneva and the Westminster and the Heidelberg. And then I would just make sure you look at the questions before you read them to them or go over them. And then, of course, anything that's, you know, I, of course, I would say stay away from anything that teaches infant baptism or, uh, or sacramental uh, theology. Obviously, I would, I would stay away from that unless you believe in sacramental theology or infant baptism. Then obviously you would be teaching your children that. And that's the best I can come up with. I threw out a lot of principles there. Just remember, it's the the goal of parenting. Salvation is God's work. Your job is to give them the truth and the facts of Christianity to the best of your ability. But the goal is your relationship, not the theological outcome. They're They're not a project for you to get the desired results that you want. They're children. They're your children. Love them. Let them know that you're going to love them no matter what they believe or what they do in their life. You've got their back. Make your home a safe place. And what I mean by that is there should be trust in the home. Meaning if someone messes up at home, you don't go call, you don't, you're on the phone telling your friends, hey, you know what Johnny did? He's an idiot. You know what Johnny did? He did. It's nobody else's business that Johnny messed up. The home is safe. Mommy's going to mess up. Daddy's going to mess up. You're going to mess up. But this is a safe place. We'll talk about our mess ups here. We're not going to share them and shame you and humiliate you to everyone else. Your kids should be able to trust that they can mess up at home and there's safety. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, I'm not talking about something illegal being covered up in the home. I'm talking that there's a safety there. You don't tell your, nobody else's business what your kids did right or did wrong. I can't stand that garbage. People telling people on the internet what their kids did. Stop that. Have, kids got to be able to trust you, right? Um, your focus is relationship. 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 Relationship not the, theological outcome. Do you, do, you, do you want your kids to be saved? Absolutely. But I believe that's the sovereign work of God. Now, if your theology says different, then I guess by all means, you can manipulate them, but then you're going against your own view of free will, right? Free will is, is the will free if you're using parental manipulation to get the will to do something that they don't actually want to do. I, don't, I think that's a manipulation. If you, don't want, if you don't believe God will manipulate someone's free will or, or try to get them to do something by force, why are you trying to get them to do something by manipulation and force? It's, it seems contradictory. Focus on the relationship and make the, 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 the spiritual teaching fun 
as you can and uh, just pick what you just uh, don't neglect the gospel and salvation. But there's other things you don't have to get into. You don't have to answer all of their deep. Uh, I mean, if they have their these questions, you want to answer them. But if they're not bringing up certain of these major co- struggles in the Bible, like the existence of evil and and why does God let bad things happen to us? There's a time and place to approach that. Right now, there's a God. He's Almighty. He's Creator of heaven and earth. He sent His Son to die for you, and that He saves you, not because of what we do, but because of what His Son did. And what His Son did is accredited to you. So in Christ, by faith, you're you're perfect and holy and righteous, and you will stand before God that way. But in practice, we fall short. I do. Everyone does. And uh, you, you help them understand that and take comfort in that. All right. That's, I, uh, when anyone asks me a question, I always give them the long answer. That's a lot of just thoughts about parenting. It's hard work. And, there is, and I don't care what anyone says. There's no system that's, that will get the results you want. And I, 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 and I think, and I, and I don't like the result. My, I don't like the result way of thinking. It's the relationship, the relationship. Okay, you that you may not get the theological results you want. Your kids may grow up and be an atheist, an agnostic. Maybe decide that they're they, they may grow up and determine that they're they've been gay since they were six. It, it, who knows? They may they may they may be become the bigger supporter of the LGBTQ movement, transgender. Who knows where they're going to go when they grow up? But you still can have a loving relationship with them. You may disagree with their morality, their view, their the, the. You may disagree with them, and that's okay. You don't compromise that, but you you don't destroy a relationship just because you don't get the theology that you want out of them. It's the relationship. It's the relationship. It's the relationship. It's the relationship. All right, you can email me your disagreements. I know I've just ticked off a whole bunch of Christians. But if, if you disagree, I'll try to clarify my position the best I can. But uh, it's just, man, parents have this weird, you know, hey, I love you, but you better turn out the way I want you to. And if you don't, then I'm, my Christianity is going to, you know, I'm supposed to love God more than than mother, father. Well, you are supposed to love God supremely. That doesn't mean you destroy a relationship with them to somehow prove your love for God. It just means you stay committed to God and you love God, even though there's a disagreement with them. And once they, if they don't claim to be a Christian, why are you trying to force Christianity upon them? You don't try to force Christian morality upon them. If they're not saved, don't expect Christian morality from them. It's just, yeah, there's so many issues. All right, email me, newsif at yahoo, yeah, if I can speak correctly, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com newsif at yahoo.com. I know there were other things we needed to cover, but this email came in. Now, the person who's uh, currently messaging me or sent a message in the chat, they sent me a message about covering something, and I can't, I may not get to it tonight, but we will definitely, I'm hoping the internet, we're, we, the internet's working really good. I'm hoping the, when I wake up, the internet will be working good, and I will cover that tomorrow one way or the other. Uh, so I have not forgotten that. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. A little late night discussion about parenting. Hopefully I've offered something that's worthwhile. If you didn't hear the last live broadcast, 
we got into some very, very interesting conversation about fear and love. I thought that one was good. Hopefully this one was beneficial. Let me know. Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great, great, great evening. And if you have children, remember, they're not a theology project so that you can supposedly get a good grade. They're human beings. Love them and build a relationship with them, whether they turn out the way you want them to or not. Love them. Have a relationship with them. God bless.